Hello, hello, and welcome or welcome back to this episode of the Strategic Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Blue, and I'm a business astrologer here to help you bring astrology into your business strategy so that you can start, grow, and scale your business with the support of the cosmos. As always, I am so excited to be here bringing you another episode, and today we're actually starting something that I've been really wanting to do for a very long time, and that is to start an advice column on the podcast. (laughs) So this is going to be the very first installment of Ask Blue. So each month, I'll answer your questions about business astrology and how to use it specifically to start, grow, and scale your business. These are a great way to get a little bit more knowledge within business astrology, as well as to fill in the gaps between episodes and, of course, booking your own reading with me. Of course, an astrology reading with me is going to be the absolute best place to get your questions answered because this is zeroed in, personalized time to look at your specific birth chart and answer those questions about how to use it specifically. But but with Ask Blue segments, I want to fill in those gaps in between. So to make sure that your question is answered for the next installment of Ask Blue, make sure you're on the Astrology for Business email list. I put out a call every month for questions solely to the email list. You're not going to be able to find it anywhere else if you follow me on social channels. So make sure that you're there and be on the lookout for the next call for questions. All right, let's get into it. So the first question that I'm going to answer comes from Alexis. Hey, Alexis, thanks so much for your questions and your enthusiasm as always with the show. Alexis asks, what platform is the best fit for an Aries midheaven? So if you are new here, want to get caught up on what the midheaven is and all that jazz, I do recommend checking out some of the previous episodes that I've done on the midheaven. So definitely check that out. But when it comes to platforms, and by this, I'm going to answer it in two ways. We're going to talk about platforms in general, and then I'm going to give like a social media platform suggestion. So to answer this right, we have to look at the archetype of Aries. Aries is a cardinal fire sign. So it operates best when it is supported in its independent nature. It's the first in the entire zodiac wheel in all of the zodiac signs, and it thrives on an energy of being a leader, right? And so when it comes to choosing platforms when you have an Aries midheaven, you want to make sure that you're looking for a space that is going to have the right structure to support your nature, to support that independence, that drive to be the first, to be the best, and then also the space for you to lead in that cardinal fire way that you're designed to. So of course, my suggestion with this is always going to be to choose primarily to put your knowledge in a platform that you have the most control over. So this can be a email list, right? Maybe you're writing really juicy behind the scenes emails or exclusive, right? I would really hype up exclusivity when it comes to incentivizing people to join spaces like your email list, right? Why should they be part of your community? Why should they join and hand over their email? What are they going to get out of it by being part of your community? But you can also look to blogging to YouTube, to podcasting, 
So spaces that aren't necessarily governed by an algorithm where you're able to share and showcase your expertise. So if you want even deeper, you know, support around that, I also recommend checking out a blog post that I've done about choosing your primary content creation system. This will help you narrow it down even further on choosing a primary platform. Now, when it comes to choosing a primary social media platform, which I do think there's value in having both a platform that you own and then also having a primary social platform, because then you're able to repurpose a lot of that long form content into short form, bring those eyeballs in, introduce yourself to people that may not be aware of you. And also just like have more in real time interaction with your community. So there's definitely value with that. Again, you want to think about what is the primary way that is easiest for you to create content and then choose accordingly from there. So if you're primarily a writer, right, something like threads is going to be more supportive for you in, again, sharing and showcasing your expertise. But Instagram might be a good platform if you're both looking for something that is supportive for maybe other kinds of content creation, as well as offering the opportunity for you to interact with your audience in real time. So Instagram, in my opinion, is very unmatched in the sense that you have stories, you have DMs, you have spaces where you can literally send voice notes to people, and those can be really powerful as well, especially if your primary content type is more so speaking and sharing photos, sharing like images or video versus writing. So with all that being said, right, the best fit for you is going to determine on a lot more than just one placement, especially just one Midheaven placement. But you can definitely utilize those Aries archetypes and the traits behind your Midheaven placement to help you choose the right platform for you and your business. So the next question from Alexis is, what is the simplest way to leverage an 11th house Gemini Chiron in group work without burning out? And I really love this question for a variety of reasons. One, because now we're getting a bit deeper into using the placements for our advantage, which is kind of the whole point when it comes to bringing astrology into your business strategy. So let's break this down in a few ways, right? Chiron in astrology is the archetype of the wounded healer. So this is often an area of your chart where you can find perhaps a space of insecurity or something that you possibly struggle a lot with or have struggled with in the past. And the cool thing about Chiron placements is that once you are able to not only identify them and learn how to work with them, they can become really powerful strengths that you can utilize and bring into your brand, your business, and everything that goes into that, especially when it comes to your storytelling, right? So to have Chiron in the 11th house, this often points to that wound or suggests that wounding may be around ideas, maybe around your dreams, your aspirations, maybe around large groups of people finding your space within a community, right? Because the 11th house is about bringing communities together. And it is also about identifying what those dreams and aspirations that you are, that you have are. And so 
we can bring that together as well even further when we look at the archetype of Gemini. Gemini is the archetype of the twins. It is a mutable air sign. So air governs the way that we think, the way that we communicate, share ideas. And then mutable energy is very like idea generation is such a strength. But at the same time, they often... The signs within this modality can struggle with feeling like they are grounded enough to have that structure. There's often this desire to bounce from idea to idea, right? And so going back to the initial question, right, the way to leverage this energy in group work without burning out is to honor the way that you are naturally designed. And this goes for regardless of what Chiron placement you have or what sign rules over your 11th house. In order to avoid burnout, you have to learn how to recognize and work with how you are naturally designed because there is no right or wrong way to be designed. There is no right or wrong sign to have. Even if you have a sign that is maybe in detriment or maybe is in a house or a planet that a sign really doesn't like to be in because it's being restrained against how it naturally wants to express itself, you can still learn how to work with that energy. And that is the key to avoiding burnout. And so when it comes to group work, right, specifically for an 11th house Gemini Chiron, I would suggest, you know, really leaning into where is that friction coming from as it pertains to 11th house themes and those Gemini archetype themes as well for you. So where is there friction that is arising from being in a group like is there a wounding around feeling like your your voice is not being heard as well or being received as well as it could be if you were working one-on-one with people is there friction surrounding feeling like your voice is being drowned out that you are literally not being acknowledged when you're in a large group space and how can you use your strengths perhaps even other aspects of your chart other placements in your chart to navigate that as well. And so that's what I would suggest for you, right? To lean into, again, where is that wounding? Where is that friction coming from? And how can you use that alongside the other strengths that you have in your chart and also as a business owner in order to create the group experience that you truly want to have? And then the last question from Alexis that we're going to answer in this episode is this. Can you explain how to incorporate stellium energy in business? And I think this is such a good question because many folks listening, you probably have a stellium in your chart. So what is a stellium? A stellium is a place in your chart. It's a house. It's going to be a house specifically where you have three or more planets. There's some debate as to what technically defines a stellium. I usually go with three or more planets, but it's going to be an area of your chart that has a concentration of a specific sign. And so again, there is like, we're very neutral about this. A stellium isn't like a good or a bad thing. The challenge that can come from having a stellium that I think is often not talked about is the fact that when you have a concentration of a lot of energy or a lot of the archetype of a sign, right? That often amplifies in the same way that like it would if you have Jupiter in a specific area of your chart. It's going to expand and amplify the archetype of that sign, the energy of that house in your chart. And 
that can lead to some complications, right? It can make it difficult for you to expand outside of that area of your chart. It can also be a lot easier for you to lean into maybe the shadow expression of that sign where you have that stellium energy. So you do want to take note of where you have a stellium if it is in your chart, but it can also be a really powerful advantage to lean into when it comes to bringing astrology into your business. And so when it comes to this question of like, how do you incorporate stellium energy in business? Again, it's going to be this like unique advantage that you have in your chart. So let's say that you have a stellium in your fifth house, which is ruled by Scorpio, right? Scorpio is a fixed water sign. And so when we think about the archetype of Scorpio, it leans into doing really well with private matters and working in private. It excels and thrives in areas of transformation of the occult, of hidden knowledge, and of diving below the surface. It is also a sign that is possibly very stubborn. Amongst all of the fixed modality signs, there's this common trait of just being very certain of the path of how to move forward and also having the willpower to see an idea through. But the challenge that can come with that is being very stubborn, right? And not necessarily always knowing how to change course. So there can be some natural friction that happens when this is in the fifth house. The fifth house represents joy, creativity, sex, relationships, children. It's a house of joy. And so there can be this conflict of what the fifth house naturally represents as well as the Scorpio archetype and the areas that it really thrives in, right? And so when you have, let's say, stellium energy in this area and this is your placement, you can lean into it in two ways. So like literally think about the archetypes of the fifth house and Scorpio. Where do the two meet for you? How do they come together, right? Like literally think, okay, what brings you joy? (laughs) What brings you excitement? What sparks your creativity? And especially are these places where you have expressed or you have helped other people to express it in private, perhaps in private one-to-one work or just like in private client work in general? Or are there like specific topics that you've worked with clients when it comes to doing private client work? I would say that wherever you have a stellium in your chart, this can also be really helpful in identifying perhaps what your niche is or your specialty or what it is that you want to be known for alongside your midheaven. Because again, this is going to be an area of your chart that is naturally going to be alluring. It's naturally going to draw people in because there's going to be a more dominant energy in this area of your chart. And so definitely recognize if you have a stellium, what what house is it in? What sign rules that house in your chart? And then think about the different ways that you can use that energy in your business. All right, so we are moving right along. And the next question comes to us from Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, thanks so much for submitting your question. And Rebecca asks, does the 10th house on a relocation chart become secondary to the 10th house on a natal chart in terms of activation? Such a good question. Let's break this down before I answer it. So your birth chart or your natal chart is one of many charts that you have 
in astrology. There's there's a chart for everything, right? Especially depending on like what house system that you're using or what um, area of astrology that you're following. Like there's so many different charts. And so you can even create a birth chart on relocation. This gets more into like astrocartography work, which is the astrology of locations around the world and using your birth chart as a guide to determine possible places that may be best for you to move to, to do work on, to live on, depending on what kind of activation you're looking for. And then you can, from your astrocartography, create a relocation chart. So this takes your birth chart information, but instead of using your birth city state um, country of birth, you're going to put in the area that you want to move to. So this, in this way, it takes your astrocartography chart and it helps to contextualize in a natal chart what that energy actually looks like in a birth chart. And from there, either you or an astrologer you're working with can further break down what that energy actually looks like because now you actually have a chart for your relocation which is your relocation chart. So this question again, does the 10th house on a relocation chart become secondary to the 10th house that is already in your natal chart when it comes to activation? I would say yes, because here's the thing, your birth chart is always going to be what you come back to. It's static. It's a literal snapshot of the sky at the moment of your birth. And no matter what form of astrology that you are practicing, that you're using, that you're working with, that energy is always going to remain the same. It's always going to be a constant that you can return to. And so especially when I'm working with private clients too, and maybe they're considering relocation, any other chart that you bring into on top of your birth chart energy will always be secondary because that will always change. It would always be a like the X factor, if you will, if this were a mathematical equation, right? So I would always say when it comes to especially figuring out how to work with your midheaven, how to work with your wealth houses, always start with your birth chart, like no matter what. And then as you build on knowledge, as you get a little bit more advanced, or as you work more with specialized private astrologers, then you can add on the energy of your solar return chart, your relocation chart, all these other astrology charts that you have access to in order to work with that energy in many different ways. However, it will always come back to your birth chart. So my advice, yes, (laughs) always use your birth chart as the primary source of what midheaven you're working with. And this as well is very good advice, especially if you're somebody who has an established time for your business. And perhaps you're wondering, should I be using my business birth chart or my personal birth chart? I always use my client's birth charts because When we're talking about the aspect of bringing astrology into your business strategy, period, to me, the level of accuracy that comes with building a personal brand will always be more of a primary necessity than building the brand for your business. Like that to me is very secondary. It's very like you can add on your business brand on top of your personal brand, but you can't add a personal brand on top of a business brand. You feel me? So I always, in my client's work, every time I'm going to be using my client's chart. And that is the chart that I suggest that you start working with as well. 
The next question comes to us from Patty. Hey, Patty. Thanks so much for submitting your question. And Patty asks, how does the fourth house and the 10th house work together? Fantastic question. I really love this because, again, this brings back the idea that I definitely feel like I need to emphasize more that no placement exists on its own. Everything already exists within your birth chart and it's part of your birth chart for a reason. And this often comes up when I do midheaven readings with clients as well. Even though the midheaven, especially if you do not have personal placements here, so you don't have your sun, moon, or any of the inner planets in the house where your midheaven is, there's going to be this natural friction that occurs between feeling like you can naturally step into your midheaven, it's going to feel like it's a part of your personality that is outside of your comfort zone. And that's totally normal. It should still feel familiar to you because again, it is part of your natal chart. It is a part of you. It's just an area of your chart that you may not be as familiar with. And for this question, I really got to shout out Hannah, the astrological photographer for this because she has these really fantastic midheaven guides. I'll have a link to them in the show notes for this episode that I think are also a really good introduction to the midheaven. But I love the way that Hannah especially frames this uh, through the relationship between the fourth house and the 10th house. The fourth house, the IC, the Imam Coeli, this is the bottommost part of your chart. If the midheaven is the highest, most visible place in your chart, then the IC is going to be the least visible, the most private part of your chart. And this often pertains to an area of the chart where you have your private life, who you are, where you are your most comfortable, perhaps when you are by yourself, but especially when it comes to your family life, right? And so especially for folks that have their IC and their MC in the fourth and the 10th house, respectively, this is going to be even more potent. But again, of course, your IC and your MC can be in different houses. So your your fourth house is going to be your private life. This is, again, often the area where your IC may exist in, but you're going to have to look at your own chart for that. Your fourth house represents your private life. So this is family. This is your like literal home life, who you are outside of the public eye when it's just you, just your loved ones, who you are at your core. And then the 10th house is public life. This is vocation. This is life's work. This is the most public area of your chart and what is most visible to other people. The 10th house can also point to your public reputation as well. So it's both like this reputation that is built over time and it is also how you may be perceived when people interact with you in spaces where there's a bit of distance, such as social media, right? There was a really cool um, TikTok that I saw by Tarot by Bronx that I'll also link that explains this idea too. It's like the concept that your 10th house is more of like your online persona or your social media persona. And then your rising sign is like how people interact with you once they get to know you when your personality starts to shine a little bit more versus the other way around. But I digress. So when it comes to the relationship between the fourth house and the 10th house, they have to work together because again, it's like when we're able to exist and feel fulfilled within our private lives, that then 
gives us the strength and the motivation to like create that public outward persona, right? And I I don't know even how I feel about using the word persona with that because again that makes it seem like like who you are public facing is like not you and that's not true. Again, this is all a part of you. This is all part of your chart. We're just tapping into different energies at different times. And going back to Hannah's work especially, often what she finds is that folks that have this disconnect between their midheaven, it's often because they're actually operating from their IC, they're operating from that fourth house energy instead of their 10th house energy. So for me, for example, my IC is in my fourth house and my IC is actually in Scorpio, which is a sibling sign to my midheaven in Taurus in the 10th house. And so in my private life, I'm very private. I (laughs) actually really operate best when I I do have that level of privacy because that allows me to have not only more control but more support around the pieces of my life that I do want to make public and what I want others to see and that also allows me to shine more in my area of expertise especially with a Taurus midheaven so I often you know struggled very early on in my career when I was operating instead out of my Scorpio I see energy because there's there was this disconnect right of like what I was even able to share what I felt like I was able to share and also that connection aspect that people had to me I really struggled with creating like a personal brand because my desire to keep private things private was just so strong And I experienced this a lot, actually, in my previous business as a sex ed business coach, as well as a sex educator, period. So, yeah, there's a definite balance between honoring the desires of your fourth house and the desires of your tenth house. But they work together in the sense that you shouldn't be leaning more, more towards one side or another, one house or another. But instead, finding that balance between like what helps you feel fulfilled and supported in your private life and what will allow you to create the private life that you need in order to stand up and be that leader that you are being recognized for and that you already are with your midheaven, with your 10th house energy. And then the last question that we have for today's episode is going to come to us from Q. Hey Q, thanks so much for submitting your question. And ultimately Q is asking about perception and the midheaven, which I think is such a beautiful way to wrap up this episode. So Q writes, I'm curious about the impact of my work as it's translated through the MC or the midheaven. I understand that the midheaven is how people perceive the work that I do, but I wonder if people expect that from me. And this is such a fascinating question, especially following Um, the previous question around the relationship between the fourth house and the 10th house. And so when it comes to perception, again, we have to go back to what defines the midheaven. The midheaven and even the definitions of the 10th house really support the answer for this question because both are very much tied to public perception. It's It's tied to how others are viewing us and the reputation that we have built both over time and maybe that's based on first impressions. We're not necessarily talking about how accurate it is because there's going to be a level of accuracy that's going to be there if we're operating from 
the energy of our midheaven in the 10th house naturally, but it's also not going to account for where you do have personal placements in other houses, such as your rising or the house of your, your son for example. And so, yeah, there is a level of like expectation that comes with perception because it's just naturally like the way that we as human beings are categorized people, right? But it's just think about the ways that like you interact when you meet someone for the first time. Maybe you come across somebody's social media profile, right? If they are branding, if a business owner is branding themselves in a certain way, there is a level of expectation to like maybe the kinds of work that they support you with, like what it is that they actually provide support in based on, you know, what their branding looks like. There may be a caliber of expertise that you're expecting from them. So you can use perception in the way of like gathering information, right? It's a way for you to communicate without you necessarily needing to talk. This is also why branding is such an important element to your business in general and why it's also so closely tied and connected to your midheaven. So depending on the sign that your midheaven is in, the modality, the degree even, and where your ruling planet is placed in your chart, all of this can help give you a better idea as to what that perception is. And then from there, you can build upon that information to bring in those personalized elements, perhaps where you're rising and your son are, perhaps also in the wealth houses, right? The second house, the sixth house, and the tenth house, what planets you have there, what's the energy like of those houses, and then bringing it all together is what helps to create and control that perception in a way that actually works with your nature versus it being something that you feel beholden to or that may not necessarily be like something that you connect to. This is also why it's so important to use different points in your chart together and not just rely on one area of your chart to inform everything about your business. So I would never advise somebody to just use their midheaven solely to brand their business. We have to look at and bring in your personal energy in the same ways that we have to consider like what is the way what are the ways that people are naturally looking towards you anyway? Because you may not be able to like fully see that. You may actually struggle to see that. But to have the information of both is what helps to bring a dynamic view to your business and your branding. And again, the flexibility and creativity that is needed in order to bring all that information together and create a business these were all such fantastic questions. I want to thank everybody who submitted them. And don't worry if you submitted your question and I didn't get to it in this episode of Ask Blue. I'm going to be saving it for a future one. So make sure that you're on the lookout for that. And again, if you want to have your question answered, there's two ways to do that. So first, make sure that you are part of the Astrology for Business email list. This is where I put out a monthly call for questions to be submitted for the next Ask Blue episode. And so make sure that you're on the list. I don't put these calls out anywhere else online. And if you really want to make sure that your question gets answered in the next episode, be sure to submit it in the next call. As well as if you just cannot wait for that next email to drop and you're like, Blue, I need your support now, <laughs> then I recommend booking a reading with me. Okay, so you can either book a Midheaven reading where we dig into the energy of your Midheaven and really break down what it is and strategize how you can begin to work with it in your business. 
or you can book a business energetics reading. And this is where we look at not just the midheaven, but also the wealth houses and how to bring it all together to start, grow, and scale your business. Information on all of these things, as well as everything I mentioned in the episode, will be available in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. And thanks so much for listening, watching, enjoying this episode. I can't wait to chat with you in the next one, and I'll see you then. Bye.